Before we jump in today, I want to just share a testimony. I've heard several testimonies of what God is doing. Isn't it funny how when you give God God attention in an area, he'll start to move in that area? And this is what we're seeing. So I got this this week. Hi, Pastor. I wanted to share another blessing God is doing in my life. I've been really listening to the God at Work message. As I shared during my baptism last year, it was my year from hell. After I lost my job in August of last year, I finally found work again this past June as a contract recruiter for the safety center. I've been praying they would be able to hire me permanently. I've also been studying for the professional in human resources exam to take February 2024 to help further my career. My boss called me last week, an HR uh, gal, and an HR gal gave her notice, so they asked if I'd be interested in her position. I'm so excited to share that I got a promotion. I'm hired permanently, I got a raise, and I'm getting full benefits. Check this out. And they said they pay for my certification exam. Praise the Lord, he's moving in my life, and I give him all the glory. Can we give God praise for that? I do not take that lightly, and I've heard several, several testimonies. I heard, Amy just heard a testimony this week about somebody getting a promotion and a raise as well. So share those, send those in. We love to hear them. All the notes are on the Version app or what we call the Bible app. Go to the events page, Real Life Church Sacramento, and all the notes are there, and you can add to it as well. I want to talk to you about successful work. God's word is the success manual for entrepreneurship, business ownership, and a healthy career. Do you believe that? Within its pages, we discover the principles for what true success and prosperity is. Within its pages, we discover this. Success and prosperity is one of those topics that has been mishandled and abused with extremes in the body of Christ. And so today, I'd like to restore your confidence in the topic and possibly shed some light or new perspective for you. The biblical meaning of success or prosperity means to advance. How many you want to advance? Prosper, to make progress, to succeed, to be profitable. It includes our spiritual well-being, our physical, mental, and emotional health. It includes material blessings and also learning to be content no matter what your situation is in life. Philippians 4.12, the apostle Paul said this, I know how to live when things are difficult. How many know we could just stop right there, come on, and let that preach to us? And I know how to live when things are are prosperous. In general, and in particular, I have learned the secret of facing either poverty or plenty. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, poverty, living in poverty or plenty has nothing to do with my outside circumstances. It, have, it has to do with my internal posture. He says, I'm ready for anything through what? 
He points to the inside. He says, through the strength of the one who lives within me. You see, God's will for our lives is to advance. His will for our lives is to prosper, to make progress, to succeed, to be profitable in our lives. And this is what we have to understand in regards to successful work. It goes way beyond our socioeconomic status. You have to get this. If you don't understand this, listen, you will live your life frustrated to the max. You see, there are people who are very successful in one area, but they're a failure in another. How many know you can be a financial success and be a personal failure? God, on the other hand, wants us to live productive and effective lives in the public square. He wants us to shine, amen? He wants us to shine in the marketplace. He wants us to shine at work. But for the Christian, prosperity and success doesn't start there. It starts in the privacy of our personal life. This is what 3 John verses 1 and 2 says. It says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically. I'm reading the Amplified. Just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. You see, what was John saying? He was saying true success begins in the secret place of seeking God's will, seeking God's ways, and God's wisdom for God's work that you and I have been created to do. See, many times we get this backwards. God is blessing us. Come on. Things are going well. We're try- and we're trying to fit God into our busy and successful lives rather than our spiritual lives being the foundation, come on, for our success. Matthew 16, 26, again, confronts this issue. He says, for what profit is, is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus is basically saying, hey, do you have a price tag? Is there a price that you'll pay that will cost you your soul? Come on, and when I'm talking about your soul, I'm talking about your emotional well-being, your mental well-being, your spiritual well-being, your physical health. Are you willing to pay a price, listen, that is overpriced? You see, if we're not careful, worldly success and prosperity will cause us to overpay for a lifestyle that causes us to lose everything, even though on the outside, it looks like you have everything. You see, many times when you see the word prosperity in the Bible, you'll see it coupled with the word peace. Everybody say peace. How many know God wants to give you peace with your prosperity, peace with your success? Psalm 37, 11, the lowly, the humble, they will possess the land, come on, and will live in peace and prosperity. Jeremiah 33, 6, nevertheless, the time will come when I will heal Jerusalem's wounds and give it prosperity and true peace. Whenever you see prosperity, you will see 
peace following right behind it. Or vice versa, whenever you see peace, you'll see prosperity following right behind it. You see, there is no true prosperity without true peace. In fact, the Bible encourages you to actually encourages us to first find peace because it's always come, it always comes packaged with prosperity, security, and stability. So what is the pattern for true biblical success? I'm glad you asked. Everybody say create, work, and rest. Create, work, and rest. You see, creativity productivity, and learning to cease from all activity is the overarching biblical blueprint for true prosperity and success that we're going to look at today. Creating, working, and resting is the divine rhythm that God has established for you and I since the beginning of time, and it will continue to the end of time. Listen, so we should commit to learning how to do it well, everybody say create, work, rest. God created you to create. God created you to create. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created man in his own image. So the creator, come on, created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. In Genesis chapter one, we're introduced to, the God, uh, to God the creator of the beginning and the end. What it's like in the beginning, come on, it will be like in the end. Everybody say create, work, rest. Genesis one, one and two. It says the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. As you continue reading chapter one of Genesis, you'll notice that nine times in Genesis chapter one, it reveals that God created the world as we know it by speaking over the earth, which had no form and was void and dark. Hebrews confirms this for us. In Hebrews 11.3, it says, by faith. Everyone say, by faith. by faith. We understand. We know. We have the revelation knowledge that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. You see, as image bearers, we have the responsibility Listen, and God calls us to create in the same way. In Genesis 1, we see a pattern for God's creativity. Are you guys ready for this? We see a pattern for God's creativity and for us. He spoke it, he made it, he saw it, and he called it good. He spoke it, he made it, he saw it, and he called it good. Listen, I just want to say this. This is not a name it and claim it approach to the gospel. It's God's blueprint for success in our life. He speaks it, look at nine times in verse three, six, nine, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, 29. It says this very important phrase, God said. 
everything that we know that exists today is because God said it. To do successful work, well, how's that translate to us? To do successful work as God's creation, I have to be willing to have faith to call things that are not as though they were. Romans 4, 17, talking about the life of Abraham. You know, he was struggling. He was without a son, and God promised that he was going to have a son. He was in his 90s. It says, as it is written, Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. You see, today in this room, there are a lot of dead things that exist in our lives. In this room right now, there are dead visions. There are dead dreams. There are ideas that have died in your life. There are dead business plans. Things that you dreamed of happening are no more. And there are some, even in this room, you are spiritually dead. But in the kingdom, bringing things back to life begins by believing and confessing that Jesus, the one who raised, come on, from death to life, can raise you from death to life. And if he can raise you from death to life, how many know he can raise some other things in your life from death to life? And once you've been raised, listen, from death to life, you as a believer... You as God's creation, you as God's, come on, image bearer, you too can start praying over and speaking over the dead things in your life. God is not done with you yet. I'm reminded of a word that Tony Miller prophesied over Amy and I in 2019. He said, Dean, you must believe that the word of God is as powerful in your mouth as it is in God's mouth. You see, the voice of faith, Real Life Church, has to rise up within us to declare and decree, decree God's word so that our life will begin to align with what God is saying over us. This is what I call prophetic leadership. This is what I lean into when Amy and I get prophetic words or if I get a prophetic word personally, I just don't forget about it. No, I actually start praying into it. God, how can I partner with what you're saying over my life? I just don't put it away and go, oh, someday I hope that will come to pass. No, I'm contending for the word. I want to see that word. God, what do I need to do? What door do I need to step through to see that come to pass in my life, to see that come to pass in real life church? Do you know that we are living right now in the fulfilled promises that were spoken in 2019? 51 salvations, are you kidding me? That's amazing. We've actually seen about 100, over 100 salvations since March. God is moving. God, why? Because God spoke. And we believed and we began to contend for what God was saying. The second thing he did is says makes it. Everybody say makes it. Verse 7, verse 16, verse 25, and verse 27, it says this, God made and God created. God made and God created. God's words in your mouth and the work of your hands. You guys getting this? 
God's words in your mouth and the work of your hands have to be in alignment for you to experience optimum success in your life. How many know there's a lot of people, they can talk real well? Come on, they talk about it all the time, but nothing ever happens because their hands aren't in alignment with their mouth. What do I mean by that? You see, some of you are saying negative things about your work and you're expecting success in your life. You're saying things like, it will never work. I hate my work. I don't wanna go to work. Anybody there? Others of you are not putting any work to what God is speaking to you. I have to put, and here's the principle, I have to put my hands to work. I have to put my hands to the plow so that God can prosper the works of my hands. The name it and claim it gospel, listen, is speaking God's word, come on, and expecting not to do anything. Hello. God, I want, I want to see thousands of souls saved here at real life, and I'm just going to believe but yet I have no discipleship systems in place, so why is God gonna release a harvest to me that I can't hold on to? Deuteronomy 30, verse nine. Are you guys following me today? (laughs) The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you. Listen, can I just say this to you? God does not bless idle hands. He does not, he cannot bless laziness. Proverbs 21, 25, the desire of the lazy man kills him for his hands refuse to labor. They refuse to work. So we've gotta get our mouth in alignment with our hands and our hands in alignment, come on, with the words that God is speaking to us. This is the the crazy thing I think that we see in the body of Christ. People love the prophetic, but they don't like to work hard. Come on, we'll, we'll fly all over the country to hear what the Lord is saying, but get back home and sit on our hands. How we know God wants to activate his believers, and I believe he's activating believers in the marketplace. So he, may, he, he speaks it, he makes it, and then he sees it. Verse 4, verse 10, verse 12, verse 18, verse 21, verse 25, verse 31, it says, God saw that it was good. I love that. How we know sometimes we've got to take time to enjoy, come on, what we've got our hands on? God wants us to be productive with our lives. He wants to point people to himself, listen to this, through the work that he is doing through me. He also wants to reward me for my good work. He wants me to receive the reward of glorifying him through my work. This is what the prophet Isaiah was saying in chapter 41, verse 20. People will see this and know that I, the Lord, have done it. Come on, how you know there's some folks looking at you and just say, I don't know how in the world that happened. And you say, I know well how it happened. It was the Lord who did it through me. 
It says this, they will come to understand that Israel's holy God has made it happen. Listen, my work, come on, is worship. And because my work is worship, it points to the one I worship. And then, I love this, because after he sees it and he calls it good, he gets to name it. Verse 5, verse 8, verse 10, we see this phrase, God called. Everybody say, God called. Why is this powerful for us to see? Naming is a powerful component of biblical success. As an image bearer, creator, author, entrepreneur, whatever category you find yourself in, naming the creating thing, naming the created thing establishes my authority over it. Why is that important? When submitted to God, your work is worship, as I just said, and it brings glory to him. We were never created to worship our work. When I call something by name, it actually gives identity to it. It can indicate a new beginning, a new direction, a season in a person's life. We see this in Genesis chapter 2, 19 to 20. When Adam gets the name, the animals, how cool would that be? This is an expression of his authority and dominion over creation. It underscores our role as image bearers to be stewards over creation and not worshipers of creation. I want you to know, as an image bearer, God created you to create. Say this, he created me to create. When people ask George Washington Carver how he came up with so many innovative and unusual ideas for using peanuts and sweet potatoes, he said this, I don't make these discoveries. God has worked, them, God has worked through me to reveal his children some of his wonderful providence. In 1921, Carver addressed the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on ways and means about the many uses of the peanut as a means, check this out, to improve the economy of the South. When he finished, the chairman asked him, Dr. Carver, how did you learn all these things from an old book? What book, Carver asked. They said the Bible. He said, does the Bible talk about peanuts? Carver answered this. He said, no, sir, but it tells you about the God who made the peanut. And I asked him to show me what to do with the peanut, and he did. And in less than an hour before the committee, Carver won a tariff for the peanut industry and national fame for himself. How many know if God can release the plan and purpose, come on, of a peanut, he can release the plan and purpose over your life, over this church, over this community. And that's exactly what God is doing. This is what we're experiencing as a body. Secondly, God created you for his work. God created you for his work. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this point and I'll just encourage you to go to our YouTube channel, RLC SAC TV, because we spent the last five weeks talking about you being created for God's work. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you don't hear anything else about this series, this is what I want you to hear. Work is not a curse. It's God's avenue for meaning, purpose, and blessing in my life so that I can provide for my needs, bless others, and advance God's kingdom. 
Amen? Jesse and Jessica Delgado are a newer family in our church. And I've been spending some time with Jesse talking about our dreams in regards to our work. He's a, he's a business, he's, a, he's an entrepreneur uh, downtown. I'm a pastor here at Real Life Church. And we just love exchanging and talking uh, ideas about our work. A few weeks ago, he told me a story of how he quit a good paying sales job to pursue God's greater purpose for his life, which God was speaking directly to him about. Initially, he walked away from good money, not only to pursue greater meaning, but to have a greater impact. And we believe together that God is going to bring increase to what he has his hands on right now. I asked Jesse to create a video. He owns a video company. I asked him to create a video testimony for us this morning on what God has done since he's walked away and was obedient to God. Here's the video. Storyline Media Group. We specialize in political media campaigns, public safety, and social impact. Basically, I create content around topics that I'm passionate about and act as a media consultant for agencies. When I first started, I remember dreaming of just making videos for a living. I'll never forget the day I quit my job to pursue it. Before I even picked up a camera, I got a prophetic word from a guy named Eric Knopf. I'll never forget it because this was my first experience getting a prophetic word. He said that God had given me a creative gift and I would use that gift in my life to give a voice to those who didn't have one and I would be able to access dark places that others couldn't. Instantly at that moment while he was speaking, a picture of a prison popped into my head. Over the years, I never forgot that word, but it wasn't until 10 years later that I'm seeing it take place. San Quentin State Prison has the only incarcerated run film crew in the country. I get to work with them, help train them, and be an advocate for creative development and successful reentry. I've developed a close relationship with the executive director of the Parliament Initiative and play a small role as a strategic consultant, working on bringing the media program to institutions throughout the state and around the country, training a new level of storytellers and content creators. The media program was recently recognized by the governor for its 0% recidivism rate, which means everyone who has gone through the program has not returned to prison. To give you an idea of how incredible that is, the national average is around 75% and California is around 45%. What amazes me is I have no formal training. I have no degree and I've learned 90% of everything I know off of YouTube. Going back to that childhood classroom, I can now see I didn't know what I wanted to be because what I wanted to be didn't exist yet.
had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, check this out, and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. There's some of you in here, you're already thinking about tomorrow. You're not worshiping him, you're worshiping work. And God is challenging us to step back and give him one day. If God rested, how do you know we need it too? As image bearers, we should be reflecting to the world that we are too blessed to be stressed. The Old Testament word for rest is where we get the word Sabbath, right? We've heard this word, very popular right now. It means to stop, to cease, to end. The Sabbath is the day where all work ceases and Israel rests and meditates on the glories of God's creation. Did you hear just what I just said right now? It's the day where all work ceases and God's people rest and meditate on the glories of God's creation. A simplified definition of the word would be physical relaxation combined with spiritual meditation. We're not good at this thing called rest. Would you admit it? And yet from the very beginning, God sets this over arching rhythm in our lives. Create, work, rest. Create, work, rest. Rest is freedom from work, toil, strain, or activity. It's the ceasing of motion or action of any kind. From mental exertion or Rest of body or mind. A body is at rest when it ceases to move. The mind is at rest when it ceases to be stirred, disturbed, or agitated. Rest is so important, you guys. God made it a part of his top 10 list. It's part of the 10 commandments. It made the top 10. Exodus 20, verses eight through 11. Remember, everybody say remember. The Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no. Again, in Exodus 31, you can see that verse. Listen, God, this is what you have to see. God is refreshed by the very things he creates. And one of the things that we have to understand, a part of true success and true prosperity, listen, is to be able to lay it all down in its feet and trust him and rest in him and watch God take care of that seventh day. Amen? I received this question this week in email. It says this, my wife and I have been watching the series The Chosen. Anybody watch The Chosen? Anybody know about The Chosen, right? Go check it out. It's a good series. My wife and I have been watching the series, The Chosen, and in there they celebrate Shabbat, which is the Sabbath, honoring the day God rested from all his creation. I suddenly realized that in my 64 years of living, I've never truly rested, not one day of my life. I honestly don't know how. Even my wife tells me that I can't shut off my brain. I have to always be doing something. Goes on to ask the question, Pastor Dean, what does it mean for a believer in the 21st century to rest? 
What does it look like? What has the Holy Spirit revealed to you about it? I think we have one of the greatest examples in modern time is the story about Chick-fil-A. Anybody ever accidentally planned to go to Chick-fil-A and you realized it was Sunday? Just me and Amy, all right. Your heart is set, come on, on Chick-fil-A, and you halfway there, and you're like, man, no waffle fries today, right? In his 2002 book, Eat More Chicken, which I've read, Inspire More People Doing Business the Chick-fil-A Way, Truett Cathy elaborated on his decision to keep his restaurants closed on Sundays. He said this, we were not so committed to financial success that we were willing to abandon our principles and priorities. One of the most visible examples of this was our decision to close on Sundays way back in 1946. I had attended Sunday school and church all my life and we were not about to stop just because we owned a restaurant. He goes on to say, I believe God has honored our decision and sets before us unexpected opportunities to do greater work for him because of our loyalty to rest. Truett Cathy described the decision to close on Sundays as a way of honoring God and directing our attention to things more important than our business, our busy lives, the things that we have our hands on. In 2018, the company that is only open six days in a category where all those fast food chains are mostly open seven days a week. In 2018, the company had more than 10 billion in revenue with roughly 2,400 restaurants in 47 states. Before he died, Truett Cathy said this in an interview. He said, Chick-fil-A makes as much or more in six days as our competition does in seven days. And I love what he says right here. He says, we see no conflict between biblical principles and good business practice. The Bible tells us a lot about how to operate our business. We just have to read it and apply. Create, come on, work, rest. Church, it's time to rest. We know how to create. We know how to work. We just don't know how to rest. Can I ask you these questions as we close today? Do you worry more than you worship? You may need to find rest. Do you resist taking a break to reflect? You may need to find rest. Is your work-life balance non-existent? You may need to find rest. Do you fail to disconnect while on vacation? You may need to find rest. Do you feel like the demands of work will not allow you to stop? How many know you definitely need to rest? Are you fearful the world will not operate fully without you? You need deliverance, all right. Are you addicted to busy? Are you addicted to busy? You may need to be set free so you can find rest. You see, we will never find 
true rest. What, this is the revelation that God's given me about rest. We will never be able to find true rest, not a vacation, two weeks, three weeks, take a sabbatical. We will never find true rest, come on, without Jesus. And maybe today you don't have Jesus in your life. And you just say, man, Pastor Dean, I've been worrying and not worshiping. God has been non-existent in my life. And today I wanna surrender my life to him with every head bowed and every eye closed. You would say, Pastor Dean, I need to get right with God. I wanna experience what true success and prosperity is in my life and I don't have it right now. I am bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. I don't know God. If that's you, just by the raising of your hand, you say, Pastor Dean, will you include me in that prayer? Is there anybody that would like to pray the prayer of salvation today for the very first time? Anybody in the building? Amen. Thank you for your boldness, sir. Anybody else would like to join this brave man who raised his hand? Anybody else? Yes, another one over here. Two people, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Now, this is what we're gonna do. If you didn't raise your hand, that's okay. I want us to pray this prayer together, the salvation prayer on the count of three. I want you to believe with all your heart. If you raised your hand with all your heart, with all your soul, trust Jesus as we pray this. Everybody in the church, on the count of three, one, two, three. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God, that you died on the cross to rescue me from sin and death and to restore me to the Father. I choose now to turn from my sins, my self-centeredness, and every part of my life that does not please you. I choose you. I give myself to you. I receive your forgiveness and ask you to take your rightful place in my life as my Savior and Lord. Restore me. Live in me and through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these couple of folks that lifted their hand, can we give God praise for them? Thank you so much for being brave and bold. Listen, if you raised your hand or didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer and you meant it, in the back there at the I Decided table, we'd like to just put in your hands uh, a new believer's packet. It'll just tell you your next steps. It's important that you get not just make that decision, but that you become a disciple and follower of Jesus. We're gonna give you those next steps here in just a few, few minutes. When you exit, stop by the table, the I Have Decided banner there and make sure we get all your information and we'll get you plugged away. Secondly, I'm gonna ask our minist prayer ministers to come. And church, you're here today and God has called you to create. You could stand with me as well. He's called you to work and he's called you to rest. And I was praying, I felt like there were those here that it doesn't feel like your life is successful. You've been chasing things and all you've been doing is grasping wind. You're not making progress. You're not advancing in any area of your life. You feel stuck. And today you would say, Pastor Dean, my life is out of sync with his word. And I'm discouraged, I'm frustrated, I'm worn out and I need to experience God's rhythm again in my life so I can experience true success. If that's you, I want you to respond to the altar. If you need prayer in any area of your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, our prayer ministers wanna pray and prophesy over you. If you need to just come for a moment, because this is what we've been talking about, and you need to just rest and direct your attention to him and just say, God, 
I just repent of my busyness. Lord, I re- this altar is wide open. So as Pastor Brandon comes and leads us, how we're gonna land the plane today. I want you to come. I want you to find true rest in Jesus. Find the rhythms that you were created for. Create, work, rest in Jesus' name. Thank you again for joining us. We pray that message ministered to your heart and lifted your spirit today. Hey, to find out more about joining the RLC online family, you can find us on the Church Center app. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. God bless you.